Welcome in. It is another episode of RJ Bell's Dream Preview College Basketball Edition. I am AJ Hoffman. He is Griffin Warner. You can find him on the socials at the real underscore G Warner. If you're looking for me, I'm at AJ is the real. Uh, now that the introductions are out of the way, as we've made it almost to the entire season, uh, so and, and actually multiple seasons before this, so hopefully you know everybody by now, uh, and we're all friends. Yes. Uh, Griffin, how are you? I know you're fresh back from the fog. Uh, what an experience, especially as a Texas fan. It must have just been a thrill. You know, I think my brain is still in a fog, though it might have been the Saki Friday night that I just probably should just never do again, I think is the answer. Um but, you know, it was a really fun experience besides my team getting absolutely shellacked. Uh, I think that place, I mean, I, I don't, I was actually thinking, we were listing my buddy and I that went, like, what are the, like, other cathedrals, if you will, of college basketball? And I think Cameron Indoor was the only other one that was close. So it was awesome. Uh, I had a really great time. The They don't sell beer at Fog Allen, so that was uh, a bit of a what you call buzzkill and might have numbed the pain a little bit. Uh, one woman got really mad at me after we made, I think our second and I think last three point shot of the game. It felt like, uh, I guess we made, uh, yikes. I guess we made nine somehow, but, uh, she got really mad at me and asked me what I was, the three point sign I was doing, what that meant. And I was like, uh, it means a three pointer, uh, you know, kind of like over your eyeball. And she was like, isn't that like universal? can't we use that too? And I was like, yeah. Then I was confused if she was like talking shit to me or not, but then I didn't have a lot more opportunities. So <laughs> I don't know that that was weird, but great experience. Really cool to see a national ch- uh, championship trophy because I don't think Texas will ever have one. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like it's going to happen uh, anytime soon. How about that? I don't not know. I don't think it's going to happen in the Rodney Terry uh, oh, era. It's, oh. ju- it's just my guess. Mm. Um, I was trying, I, you might be right though. Like when you're talking about the arenas, like what, what else is in that conversation? Um, I guess like I've, I've always thought that like, uh, maybe there's some places in Indiana, maybe even like Hinkle Fieldhouse would be one of those types of places. I think Hink, we talked about Hinkle cause there was some sunlight coming through and hitting one side of the crowd, which I was like, damn, I would hate to be in that row. Um, for like a 5 p.m. tip off but the weather was beautiful I think like unseasonably warm whatever global warming climate change whatever we're calling it these days but uh, it was awesome I got offered a slice of pizza just randomly at uh, the wheel before the game I was like hopefully there's drugs in this just kidding but uh, it was a really great experience I'm very happy I went I was waiting forever for Texas to be good and actually thinking we had a shot to win there but then uh, this was the last chance that I'd ever have because I doubt Texas will ever play at the Fog again. So it was a really nice experience to see, see us lose by 19 and never have a chance after the 10-minute mark in the first half. Yeah, yeah. It, it's the experience that counts. It's the experience that counts, Indeed. man. Indeed. And what's the uh, what's the place up in the the Octagon in uh, is that it in South Dakota? Oh, no, Doom. the one in South Dakota, like the uh, the one that they oh oh the Sanford the Pentagon. Pentagon. That's right. The, yeah. Not the military pen. Yeah, maybe yes. that place would be fun to see. I don't know. I I, I, I bet <laughs> Texas could win there is all I'm thinking. Uh, I don't know, because you probably play like Auburn there or something. That's probably another loss. Uh, all right. Let's listen. It was a, a rough week for us. Oh, and two on the pot. I actually had, I made a lot of money this weekend betting college hoops. Um, 
I did not win my best bet on the pod, unfortunately, and you did not win yours. So after three straight two and O's, we get hit with an O and two. Um, So let's bounce back. But before we get to those, let's talk about the big games this week. And let's start in the Big 12 where Baylor is at TCU. Baylor is a two and a half point road dog. And man, I bet Baylor, one of my losses this weekend was Baylor plus two, plus two and a half uh, at same, uh, same Z's. That was fun. Coming into town. I thought this was a big spot for them. And uh, they got their ass kicked in the first half and they dominated the second half. And if mess, if Missy can hit one free throw, we're going to or we're not going to overtime and Baylor wins by one and everyone goes home happy. But no, he misses the free throw, the end one with a couple seconds left. We get overtime. And I think for the first time in history, uh, an underdog lost in overtime. I don't think it's ever happened oh. before. Yeah, I, it's, it's it was disappointing for me, too. I thought for sure it was gold. I was like, oh, plus points in overtime. It's got to work out. And um, shockingly, right. it didn't yep. Uh, but it, what it did tell me was Houston is really, really freaking good, man. And uh, it took a while for Baylor to settle into their offense. I mean, it took 20 minutes, to be quite honest. But you, it's obvious that they've got it. And, and there's, you know, Misi is what he is. He's like a five-star big, and they surround him with a bunch of guys who can shoot. Um, Drew is good. The question is where, is, where are we at on TCU? Uh, I, I think you probably – I feel like over the course of the season you've had a better feel for this TCU team than I have. Um, they've been sort of an up-and-down team themselves. We were just talking about them before we started recording. We were talking about them losing it at home to Texas, and that's a, that's a weird result in hindsight. But then they go on the road and, and win at Kansas State, which is a super tough place to get a win. They This is the team that won at Baylor. Um does is Baylor looking for revenge here? Do they get revenge here for that triple overtime loss? Uh, what what are you expecting out of the Frogs as they take on Baylor at home? So I've been pretty impressed by TCU. I think really not when immediately when Jamie Dixon arrived, but I just feel like the market and the analytics have really respected TCU more than I have over the years. And so I've kind of learned through efficient market hypothesis or whatever that the market is always right, that you eventually start to either, I mean, it's hard to just consistently bet against a team and be profitable. It seems like in in any type of sports betting, Um, eventually they will round into form or you'll realize your numbers are wrong or the market will realize their numbers are wrong, et cetera, et cetera. I feel like I just have kind of taken a positive uh, look towards TCU and that they are um, never really going to shoot very well. They're never going to look great. Um, they're going to have some really, really kind of um, surprising performances that are good and sometimes bad. I think you could say that about most college kids in general in college basketball, but uh, they just seem to have some ability or some style that just doesn't get reflected very well in the numbers. So uh, I feel like they usually outperform expectations and that's kind of just the the general thought process I have with TCU. Now they've got a, a really tough matchup here because Baylor, as you mentioned, can score the, the basketball. And uh, it's probably unlikely that they would have another 
bad first half like they did against Houston, though that was at home. And I do feel like Baylor is a lot more vulnerable away because they rely so much on three-point shooting. Uh, Langston Love missed this weekend. I think that was like a last second, like or as the game is starting, tipping off, they're giving injury, big injury news, unfortunately. I love when that happens. Yeah. But that basically took a really important guard off the floor for Baylor. I can't imagine that if he's not playing Saturday at home against Houston in a huge game, that he's miraculously going to play 35 minutes. That's not really his game anyway. He's averaging like 52% of minutes this season. Um, but it just feels like to me, it's less likely that he's in there. And I would imagine that that probably limits what Baylor can do. Or it was either Jaden, maybe it was Jaden Nunn, Love Nunn, one of the two who, who missed this game this, this weekend. But regardless, uh, it looks like. Looks it was like, Langston uh, Love. You're right. None did play. Yeah, so it was Love. Okay. Um, so just my general, I guess, theory on Baylor is that they're a really talented team. They can beat anybody. But if they don't shoot well, they're. Uh, I mean, they're as vulnerable as anybody else. Um, Eves Misi is awesome, as we mentioned, but he's still learning how to play basketball, so he's going to have an awesome future. But uh, I think we've seen Baylor with losses to BYU on the road, to Kansas on the road in a close game without McCullough. At Texas was, I guess, a little weird at the end and then went to overtime with K-State. I mean, they've had – that's pretty much where you get them is on the road uh, unless you're you're the Houston Cougars. So uh, I think they're a little bit more vulnerable and uh, really just home courts – uh, I feel like they are not as profitable as they have been earlier in the season. I think the marketplace has figured out who's good, and there's uh, a little bit of difference now where short home favorites are short home favorites for a reason. But it's just hard for me to kind of – for this leopard to change his spots because ultimately that's been a really profitable venture over the last couple seasons. I think I've made over 30 units at pregame the last two years, combined, uh, each of them. So, uh, And that's basically been my strategy is short home favorites, and I don't see a reason to, to veer off of that. Yeah, this is one of those where Baylor, I mean, if you had told me before the game, the Houston game, that Baylor was going to out-rebound Houston by eight rebounds and Baylor was going to hit 40% from three, I would have said there's pretty much no way they can lose that game. Uh, yet they did lose that game. And there, I mean, you don't have to dig very far into the box score to figure out how they lost that game. 19 turnovers and... Ray J. Dennis had eight himself. This has become a real problem for Baylor. They do not value the basketball. And that could be troublesome uh, against a TCU squad that's that's pretty good at, at turning opponents over. And I, I would say that's like probably the biggest. And listen, TCU can shoot too. Like we, we talk about Baylor, like they're this this great three-point shooting team. And on the season, they are they're the second best three point shooting team in the country. But since conference play started, TCU's the best the best three point shooting team in the Big Twelve, and Baylor is near the bottom defending uh, that that three point line. So, um, with TCU forcing turnovers and Baylor turning the ball, I mean TCU turns the ball over too. Don't get me wrong, but uh, but TCU just so active defensively turning the ball over, and and I think like. You know, this TCU defense is solid. Baylor's defense, I, there's just real questions for me still. Uh, so I, I don't know that I'm going to be totally invested in this game. As, and this game's tomorrow or Monday as this comes out Sunday night. So if I'm not playing it by now, uh, especially playing a favorite by now, it means I'm probably not going to play it because I, I imagine when we when we wake up on Monday, TCU will be four. Uh, but I... I, I I certainly don't want anything to do with the dog here. And even though this is a spot where Baylor coming off that loss, 
and Baylor having lost the first time these two teams played, I, I, like the spot says I should like Baylor here. I, I just don't particularly. And I think if Baylor were, was able to win that game, I, I think it'd be a much better scenario for TCU here. But just looking at Baylor's last, it looks like six games in conference, um, of course, in conference, they've, they've been in conference for a while, but last six games, they've been given up over 50% uh, from two point defense. Uh, and that's just really hard to win, uh, especially in a rugged league, like the big 12, when you're not able to, to really get stops. Well, and I also think like, I mean, you have to consider they just played overtime against maybe the most physical team in the country. Yep. Yep. Um, so definitely, they're yep. going, they're going to be beat up and this is not a team. Baylor is not a team with a bunch of depth. Like they count on their dudes and with, without Langston love, it's really like, the same six guys it's it's Dennis it's Jacoby Walter it's Misi it's Bridges and it's none and then when when Langston loves there he he gets into that rotation but it's like outside of those guys or Caleb Lohner I guess plays a little but it's they just don't have a lot of depth so I would imagine they're they're on tired legs and especially having to make the quick Saturday Monday turnaround and of course having to make that Saturday Monday turnaround with some travel uh, TCU, the only way I would want to look. I'm RJ Bell, and I'm going to give you some straight talk. Now, there's two types of people that try to be healthy. One is the fanatics. They're the types that show up in Vegas, and they got a water bottle, and they got like a salary chopped up. And let's forget about them, because I'm nothing like them. And you know what? I know a lot of them love AG1, but I'm not speaking to them. You guys got it covered. You know AG1's good. I'm talking about the people who try but they're not perfect with it. And to me, that's what makes AG1 perfect, is you can have a big dinner and maybe eat a little too much, maybe have that glass of wine or that beer. You're not feeling great. Next morning, you have the AG1, and all of a sudden, you're back feeling good. And to me, if you can have that as your home base in a way, that, that center, that equator, that center that you can return to at any time with just a nice drink, and feel healthy, well, I love it. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 and K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash rjbell. That's drinkag1.com slash rjbell. Check it out. Hey, it's RJ Bell for Rocket Money. Listen, you know, there's no locks. You know that for sure. But almost a lock is each and every one of you has things you're paying for each and every month that you don't use or aren't worth how much you're paying for them. There's a better alternative. And we have Scott Seidenberg with us to tell about one of his discoveries with Rocket Money. Yeah, discovered that I was still paying for an old editing software that I hadn't used in months. Let's be honest. It was years And listen, be honest with yourself. Think of the things you've bought. Think about the times you've had a free trial and all of a sudden it auto-billed in and it's been auto-billing. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash rj. That's rocketmoney.com slash RJ, rocketmoney.com slash RJ. Here. All right, let's go to the SEC where it, of course, means more. And we're going to look at Kentucky and Mississippi State. And 
we're going to project this as a pick'em, and I'm I'm not fully confident in this line, but Ken Palm says Mississippi State's going to be a two point favorite. At at home, wow. it wouldn't shock me, I, I guess. Um, but I, I I don't know. I, I'll say Kentucky. Is, I mean. First of all, Mississippi State's won five games in a row in the SEC, and that includes two road games. That's strong, but it's Georgia, Mizzou, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and LSU. They're, they're five. They're five consecutive wins. Let's let's not go bleeping each other's bleeps just yet. Uh, whereas Kentucky, Would never. Kentucky has, um, it, it, they are coming off an absolute throttling of Alabama. Where I mean Alabama, it kind of came back to it came back into the game late uh, to only lose by twenty two points when this this thing was was getting ugly for it, it was one hundred four to sixty seven at one point in the game with with under ten minutes left. So um, the fact that it was a twenty two point Kentucky win means that a- a- Alabama put it on late against the Kentucky Scrubs, and by the way, Kentucky had walk ons playing at the end of this game. So that's that's. Something that you probably didn't expect. Uh, one guy who did not play was Trey Mitchell, and that was the third straight game for him. I'm not sure what the status is, like when he'll be back, if he'll be back anytime soon. But when we look at this Mississippi State team, I, what what do you see as their paths to victory here? This is a team that turns the ball over a ton. Uh, Kentucky, for, for some of the flaws that we we kind of thought they'd have coming into the season, and most of them were on the offensive side. They've been better on that side than I think anybody could have thought. They don't turn the ball over, and they're the they've got the best three point shooting percentage in the country. Mississippi State's defended the 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 arc very well. They're a defensive minded team. The question is, with what we're seeing Kentucky do, basically night in and night out, which is just score a ton of points. And I, I think I said it last week, it'd be smart of Kentucky to just stop trying to play defense and, and run up and down the court. Maybe they're able to do that without Trey Mitchell out there. Maybe they can just go, go, go. Does Mississippi State, this defensive-minded team, are they able to slow down what Kentucky's done in your mind? So I think that's the the game right there, is Kentucky's going to try to run like crazy, and Mississippi State's going to try to slow this game as much as possible. Mississippi State was awesome this weekend, uh, pulled away from LSU, who really, to me, I don't know how their three-point shooter numbers are as high as they are this season, but don't have many shooters. Uh, we're missing an important leading scorer, and then uh, one of their only other three-point marksmen, if you could call him that, got hurt middle of the game, so... Um, that was a pretty limited team when uh, Trey Hannibal is like taking the ugliest three-point shots of, of ugly. Uh, I don't know that that was going to work out very well. Um, the three-point defense has been great for Mississippi State, but as you mentioned, that five-game winning streak is against the uh, the bottom of the SEC. I guess Mississippi is the only cha- team with a chance to get in the yep. tournament. Um, we have seen Mississippi State pretty good at home this year with only one loss. They didn't leave. Uh, in, in conference play, they didn't really play much of a, a schedule uh, leading into the year, but they did lose to Southern at they home, did. which is just even more confusing. Um, the number is way different than I would I would expect Kentucky to be favored here. We saw Auburn was a pretty big favorite. Yes, there are a big discrepancy in that price when Kentucky went to Auburn just a few weekends ago, but 
I mean, there's a lot here that makes me feel uncomfortable. Uh, Mississippi State, to me, I mean, I've watched games, that Alabama game, if they lost at home, they were in it throughout and then just missed a million free throws, and that's unfortunately will cost them. I think it will be important in this game potentially. Uh, Trey Mitchell's out with a separated shoulder or shoulder dislocation or something like that. Is that right? It's not, uh, it's not like a violation. No, it's rules. a shoulder injury from what I understand, but I don't. I haven't heard a timeline on when he'll be back or how serious it is. Yeah, I mean – disciplinary stuff is one thing, but injuries at this point of the year, everyone's pretty banged up. But if you're missing games, I'm concerned. So, I mean, I mean, that's going to be, I think what potentially Mississippi state tries to do is to attack the interior, uh, which Kentucky looks a little bit more feeble than I think they are because Anyenso coming in is, is blocking every shot I've seen. And I feel like Bradshaw behind him is a, a really legitimate, I mean, they're both are seven footers or listed that way. So, I don't really know how Mississippi State goes in. I mean, maybe they get another big game from Hubbard, their freshman Mississippi, I guess, all basketball player of the year uh, from last season who decommitted from Ole Miss and changed to Mississippi State. He dropped 32, I think, against LSU. That's probably their key to victory, but Kentucky has a bunch of those guys. I don't really know what the deal is with Dillingham because he seems so good as an on-ball defender, but then clearly as a freshman has has consistency on defensive problems but um it it all points to Kentucky here getting another big win but I don't even know how we trust them like I'm not sure what you think about Kentucky at this point but I feel like any result they have uh I'm like okay I guess I should have expected that but it could be a blowout loss a blowout win and I, I never feel like I know. yeah I I've gone I mean I, I've rode the roller coaster of Kentucky uh, I remember thinking after they got beat down at home by Tennessee, I was like, oh, they're, they're yep. dead. Um, and, and they followed that up with the Gonzaga loss we talked about that just kind of came out of nowhere. Yep. But then I watched games like Saturday where Rob Dillingham, who you said you don't know what to make of. I, I don't know what to make of Rob Dillingham, the college player. What I do know is it, he's going to be like a top 10 draft pick and he's going he's going to be really good in the NBA. Like he's that kind yep. of I, again, I, I don't know what he's what he is in, in the tournament. But he's going to develop into something pretty special eventually. He can shoot. Reed Shepard can shoot. Let's, they, they've got almost everybody on their team can shoot, which is so different than the, the past several iterations of this Kentucky team. I mean, with the exception of, I guess, DJ Wagner, all of them are, are really good shooters. So I, I, I tend to believe that eventually like you, you're going to have to – like how many points do we project Mississippi State to put up? I, I don't know. I, I, if they, if they, if, I doubt they're getting seventy. If, you if know? they play the game they want to play, th- this is. I mean, they'll get to about seventy. That that would be ideal for them. If this game plays into like the one sixties, I think that I, I think that they're in trouble. And the way Kentucky is able to kind of put their tempo on teams, and I mean, we just saw them play tempo with Alabama and not have trouble with it at all. Uh, of course, that was at home. But I don't I don't trust Mississippi State offensively enough to keep up with this team is what it boils down to. I think my biggest interest is probably in as weird as it sounds, is it an under here? Because I think Mississippi State does dictate the tempo of this game because they're going to do everything they can to grind this to a halt. My concern is that Mississippi State is gets blown out, which I think does help under as well if you miss the fouling towards the end. 
Uh, Shaquille Moore and Hubbard are tiny guards, and Kentucky's going to be towering over them in a yeah. bunch of different ways. I think DJ Wagner, part of his, I guess, skill set, maybe it's not shooting, but it's length and his ability to defend and cause a lot of havoc. You know, what Bill Self used to say, cut the head off the snake by basically Ding up the point guard. And so then if you're not seeing Mississippi State scoring from the perimeter, it's Tolu Smith against bigger and shot blockers and his like 55% at the line looks really scary as well. I just don't really know where Mississippi State gets points here. 50, 59%, excuse me. I don't want to short him 4%. I, I just, it feels like this one, I wouldn't be shocked if Mississippi State somehow pulls an upset and they need it to get into the tournament most likely. Um, though I think Lenardi and all of them have him in, but who really cares at this point? I just, I don't, I don't think I'm in any way back in Kentucky, even if they're an underdog here, but that would probably be the side I want if you made me pick. All right, let's go back to the big. 12 for a a BYU Kansas matchup. Uh, we're going to project Kansas at a six point six and a half point home favorite. Ken Palm makes this four. I'll eat my hat if Kansas is minus four at home <laughs> yeah. against BYU. Uh, BYU coming off a ten point loss at Kansas State. One of my biggest regrets was was not putting in a play on Kansas State. I thought about it and thought about it Felt that, and yep. just didn't yep. do it. And it was like such a great spot for them too. I mean, with BYU coming off the Baylor win, I was like, oh yeah, we got it. We've got to fade BYU going on the road here, Kansas State, in like a must win game. And uh, played out about how I thought it would. We we've discussed what Kansas did over this weekend and how tough that team is at home. But I'll say this about Kansas: the reason why I lost money. Uh, this weekend on on Kansas was I, they I just didn't I didn't see them blowing anybody out because it hasn't really been their mo they they at least not with decent teams the, the one good team that they blew out was Houston I felt like that was like the, the the home run spot for them like they were like we're getting up for this we're gonna make a statement and other than that it's all it's all been kind of around the number they played with their food against Baylor they played with their food against Oklahoma I, they almost remember they almost lost to Cincinnati at the beginning of the season it's like I I, I, I don't know or, or TCU another one they almost lost at home it's like they've they've been winning yep. but not impressively I was like eight and a half points felt like a lot and sure enough it wasn't I mean it was never in doubt I, I felt like uh, Texas played well for about the first three or four minutes and then just d- disappeared. Uh, BYU is, we, we've talked about them a handful of times. They are, if their shots are falling, they are as dangerous as anybody. You know, they, they will keep shooting and shooting and shooting. And I think the best way to beat Kansas is to, is to shoot over them. The, the question is, will, will the shots fall for them on the road in this environment? Because uh, BYU, they just don't really have a path to offense. Otherwise it's, if if their threes fall, they're as good as anybody. If they don't, they're screwed because they can't get points at the basket. They can't get to the free throw line even. And that that reminds me of another thing. You're going to get a pretty big free throw discrepancy here. And BYU typically has a pretty big free throw con- discrepancy because, they, like I said, they don't go to the basket at all. But at Fog, you know Kansas is going to get some calls. Um, do you think that – BYU can hang close or, or is this gonna is this gonna be similar to that Texas game we just saw where Kansas runs and hides eventually uh I think at that four point number where you're saying you're gonna eat a hat I hope that's not a uh, wool hat because I can't <laughs> imagine that digests very well but um 
I think there's a difference between Texas and BYU uh, easily to compare the two because I was just there at the fog. And of course, that was the game that just happened. But I think Texas, I mean, they, they shot a ton of threes uh, and were willing. And I mean, what I was complaining the most about was we would just cross the half court line and, and really wouldn't even pass and just take a three because it was kind of open. Um, and then that was, I guess, suitable for a little while because KU kind of started pretty slowly, which I think is rare for them. Certainly didn't see that against Houston um, when they shot. And I mean, it, it's weird to me, but like Kansas is going to give you three point opportunities, which is really not what you should be doing uh, in college basketball in the year of our Lord 2024 and really is exactly what BYU wants. So that does give me some pause on saying that this is uh, a really great uh, matchup for for Kansas and they're going to run away with this game but you're ultimately like you're tempting fate pl- playing against Kansas at the fog just first of all but then facing a a, a three-point reliant team that's going to be given every three-point shot that they can have uh, Kansas incredibly not taking any three-point shots really themselves 327th in the country at attempting three-pointers and then 296th in allowing three-pointers so basically this game is going to be decided at the three-point line uh, BYU is going to shoot a ton of them and they're going to keep reloading pretty much unconsciously and we'll keep taking them. Uh, I don't know if, if, if you think that they're going in or that they're going to make a bunch of them, then you should probably play BYU and maybe even play their money line. But I don't have a great feeling that they're going into the fog and getting a win. Uh, Kansas on the other side. I mean, they didn't really have much. I mean, they looked pretty bad to me and still beat Texas by 19 points. Uh, basically Dickinson got whatever he wanted in, in the paint. Um, great finisher of these floaters and things and like rarely ever even use the backboard. But uh, to me, I feel like BYU has some big guys, but I, I don't think Khalifa nor Waterman or Ali Atiki are really going to do much to, to stop Hunter no. Dickinson. So I feel like it's a lot of easy points inside for KU, uh, whether McCuller plays or not. I think he's essential for them to make a deep run in the tournament, but at home, I think they can probably get through this game and if BYU does not shoot well, they could get absolutely run out of the gym. If they do shoot well, I think they hang in. Uh, but I don't think they shoot well enough. And I think I'll be a Kansas backer, if anything, based on home court. And uh, I just feel like it's it's too risky to back three-point reliant teams on the road, whether they're going to have a lot of opportunities that they want to shoot or not. I think it, for me, it might boil down to do do we, ha- do we know the status of McCuller in this game? Because if Kevin McCuller plays, I mean – as good as he is for their offense, I mean, he's so important to what they do defensively too. Um, because I do think if they if they let BYU shoot the way they let Texas shoot, I think BYU will beat them. I think they can they can punish them in a way that Texas really couldn't or didn't. Like, did Max Asmus make a shot the entire game? Like this. I, I mean, I think he had two points, which when Texas doesn't do oh anything or doesn't get any from him, they're they're hopeless. But looking at KU's like last, let's say, four, eight, eight games, like the lowest amount of three points attempted against them was 23 by Oklahoma, which is not a no. three point shooting team, in my opinion, and doesn't shoot very well. Uh, Iowa State took 30. Like, I mean, there's. There's a lot of three-point shots that will be shot. I think, the, again, Cincinnati, they only gave up 18 threes, but it seems like every other team has eclipsed that Houston number. took 29 three-pointers. more. <laughs> and yeah, they, they yeah. can't shoot. Exactly. So, it, I mean, maybe there's a little bit more of a chance for BYU here, and every every point that number climbs, Torvik has it six and a half. So, I mean, I guess the, the higher this number goes, the more interested I'm in BYU's camp, but... 
uh, I do think there's a lot of blowout risk, and those are generally the road underdogs that I try to avoid. All right, let's uh, let's go to one last Thursday game, and we've got Kentucky and Tennessee. Kentucky, Auburn and Tennessee. Excuse me, one last Wednesday <laughs> game, Auburn and Tennessee. Uh, Auburn is at Tennessee, and we're going to project this one, Tennessee 5. Um, this is another one. Ken Palm says Tennessee minus 3 at home against Auburn. Boy, I'd sure love to see that number pop up. Um, I don't think it will, though. Auburn, without Jalen Williams, I, I don't know if he's not going to play in the – like if he, if he may be back for the tournament, but from what I understand, he's done for the regular season now. Uh, I, I don't know if that's – like I, I think he's pretty important. I, I think he behind maybe Broom, maybe their most important guy. Uh, I guess Aiden Holloway has been pretty good this year too, but I, I don't know how the, how well they'll adjust to life without him. It sure looked easy against Georgia, but that's Georgia. I, Tennessee is not going to make offense easy for you period ever. And now you take the best offensive player on the team out of the picture, uh, or at least the best scoring option on the team out of the picture, uh, as well as kind of a guy who's able to, to stretch the defense a little bit. I, that worries me for Auburn. Uh, Tennessee at home is almost an auto play for me these days. I, I, I mean, especially if it's you know a, a possession or, or or around a possession. Um, I, like we think back to what they did to to Alabama at home when we I, I know we talked about that game. We're like, oh, it's t- can Alabama make the shot? I mean, they beat the snot out of Alabama on their floor. Um, this team is very tough to beat at home, and I think while you're trying to work out life without maybe your best offensive player, this may be some bad timing. There may be some growing pains to end the regular season for for this Auburn team. Although after the after this Tennessee game, they they've got Mississippi State at home at Mizzou and then home to Georgia, so they may they may end up getting out of this okay, but. This their last real test feels like probably too tough of a hill to climb for a team that's already lost a handful of road games this year, and now they're probably going to the toughest road environment they've gone to. So uh, I'm going to be interested in the Vols here. What about you? Yeah, I can't imagine we'll see a three, especially with the injury stuff. But I would love it if we get it. Uh, Auburn four and four in true road games this year. Um, that one home loss, Kentucky won on a neutral to Baylor that they are against. Yeah. Against Baylor that they led like the whole time and then kind of coughed it up late. Um, I feel like Auburn. And, and I think to your point about missing Jalen Williams, he is so dynamic, athletic, versatile that I feel like he can fill a lot of voids for them uh, without him. Even with him, I think Auburn are a completely different team. I mean, they're one of the best teams in the country that we've seen in a while. I feel like at home and they play so well in that building. Um, but they're going to a, a pretty much a similar environment. It's just going to go the other way. So I don't really know what number I'd actually be interested in Auburn. I think I want Tennessee, anything um, in the range that you're projecting it from that three to five. I think I'd even play it higher than that. Uh, I, I just feel like Tennessee has a great home court advantage that maybe is a little bit slighted because of Auburn's performance at home this year. I just also don't really believe that Auburn is better than Tennessee. So give me Tennessee minus whatever in that type of range we're talking about. All right, so sounds like we agree on that one. Let's uh, let's get to best bets. Before we do it, though, tell the people that I can save some money at pregame. Use the promo code BLOCK20. Good for 20% off all listeners of this college basketball podcast. Good for seven days from the podcast release. 
which will get us into March, which I mean, is the best month of the year. And if you're not with us yet, we have season long packages that go all the way through the final four. Plus you can get weekenders or whatever really floats your boat. Save 20% on that by using promo code block 20. And uh, we get a little credit when you use it. Our bosses smile at us a little bit more when they see our text coming through. So make sure you rock that in, throw it in there. Block B L O C K 20. Get for 20% off anything on the pregame.com website. All right. I know you were kicking around a couple options uh, before we started. So I'll let you uh, marinate on that and I'll I'll throw mine out there. And I'm going to go with Utah State on the road laying 10 points at Fresno State. And I know you're going to hate this, but I, I just hey. – Listen, this Fresno State team is dead. Uh, I, I made my best my best bet of the weekend <laughs> against them was on San Diego State. Uh, and it, it's this just – they have six players on scholarship that are available and healthy and no bigs. And having no bigs, I played Jadon Ledee uh, over rebounds, over points, all easy winners. The spread was an easy winner. They they can't stop anything inside because they, they don't have anybody with that kind of a body. That becomes a real problem, uh, trying to slow down Great Osabor and Isaac Johnson, like two just monstrous men that, I mean, there's, there's going to be no answer for them. So uh, this Utah State team is... I mean, clearly, his, his, what they did against San Diego State, which was uh, my best bet last weekend pod uh, for, for last Tuesday, I, I backed the Aggies, and they got a win at, at home against San Diego State to take over first place in the conference. Uh, they haven't played since, so they're going to be well-rested. And going against this Fresno team that, like I said, is just out of bodies. I, I think this is a, a walking – you know, a dead team walking – I should say, and, and I don't think that they can keep up. They, they lose by 32 uh, at home to San Diego State. Before that, they lost by 24 uh, at Boise. They, they're just not competitive anymore, and I, I think Utah State absolutely hammers them. So give me Utah State. Uh, it's projected at 10. Uh, I'll, I'll play it to 12, uh, but I, th- I think Utah State just hammers them. Especially brutal when Justin Hudson, their head coach, is formerly of the San Diego Aztec staff. If they're going to blast him, then uh, I don't think there's anything. Nobody's going to feel bad for him. Connected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he, Dan, listen, uh, Danny, Danny Sprinkle yeah. might be the coach of the year. Like he's in the conversation, I think, for for coach of the year, which is not something I, I would like. This team's done so much better than expected. Like I, if, if for me, it's Danny Sprinkle or Kyle Smith uh, from Washington State. Those are the two guys who have done the most with the least this season. So I, I yeah. give Utah State a lot of credit. I think they're a really well-coached team. I, I think they got a lot of talent, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them make, make a little bit of noise in the tournament. I think everyone else who has replaced their entire roster uh, is under 500 besides Utah yep. State, who looks like a potential Mountain West champion, a tournament team, which is not always expected – uh, but I also think you're forgetting your guy, Will Wade, for coach of the year. Maybe. Yeah, I, 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 he deserves <laughs> some love, certainly. I don't, I don't, is it part of his eligibility? Is he allowed to uh, be coach of the year? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. Well, I'd, I would be very interested for the $100,000 handshake that, uh, when he accepts the <laughs> award. Or what a prize, gentlemen. So I, I can't believe it. <laughs> yes. Uh, who would have thought when I had all these black bags? <laughs> in my garage. Uh, anyway, I probably should stop making jokes about that because I guess I would do the same sort of thing if I could get away with it like he did. Uh, for my best bet, I'm going to go with those Syracuse Orange. Looks Ooh. like AJ's projected a three-point favorite at home to Virginia Tech. Uh, I am not advocating for a Syracuse tournament bid at this point, but there's enough talk in Syracuse. I actually watched uh, 
Autry's like post game interview after they beat North Carolina. It seems like they believe that certainly was not a great then road trip that weekend after upsetting Carolina at home to then go lose to Georgia Tech. But they got a road win at North Carolina State, which I think is pretty good in the net. Um, so not terrible there. Uh, follow that up with a nice snug home win over Notre Dame um, that they had a really big average lead in. So um, things are not great. And as I've mentioned, the home underdogs are a little bit more difficult to win on right now. But I feel like Virginia Tech coming off a dominant Virginia win. They just, to me, seem like one of those teams that's on the bubble, going on the road, and is going to struggle in the Carrier Dome. And I, I feel like that's a, a problem for anybody. The, the, the Dome, or I guess it's called something else now, but uh, whatever it used to be called, the Carrier Dome is still a great spot for Syracuse to get victories. Uh, AJ gave minus three, might even come shorter than that. Uh, play it up to Syracuse minus four for my best bet on this Sunday, February 25th. Yeah, Virginia Tech's been one of those teams that, I mean, it's almost impossible to back them away from home. They're they're non-competitive most of the time. And like you said, coming off that huge Virginia win, just a dominant win to show up and and just get blasted by a mediocre pit team, I think just tells you how valuable the home court is to, uh, to Virginia Tech. So uh, I would back that one as well. All right. That is going to do it for another episode. Griffin, appreciate your insight and knowledge as always. And of course, appreciate you guys, the audience, for tuning in. Uh, hopefully get back on the 2-0 and o wagon and, uh, and keep keep the streak going. Get, get back in the, uh, in the on the right side of things. I didn't like this 0-2, uh, but it's going to happen over the course of the season. Still a strong season overall. And listen, we will be back uh, on Thursday to preview the weekend games, which we should have a, a nice slate coming up this weekend. Enjoy the games this week. Best of luck on your bets.